Hello, crime historians, and welcome back to another episode of A Crime Story. I'm your host, Kaylin Lois, a graduate student in international relations who lived abroad in France for two years. While abroad, I started hearing all of these insane crime stories that I've never heard about. As a lifelong true crime addict with a fascination of how crime affects cultures and alters history, I decided to turn this obsession, research, and stories into a podcast to tell you all about relatively unknown crime stories. Today, I have a remarkably interesting story for you because technically, there was not even a crime committed at all. Today, I will be telling you the story of the North Sentinelese people who live on North Sentinel Island in the Andaman Islands of India. But the Sentinelese probably do not even know that India exists. You see, they are the world's last Stone Age tribe. The Sentinelese are known for defending their island against all visitors to the point of murder. They've been living in isolation for 60,000 years, and there is genetically a direct line between them and our pre-Nolithic ancestors. This is episode 28 of A Crime Story, India's North Sentinelese Murders. covered India's legal system in episode 26, but in this story we really don't need to because the rule of law does not apply to the North Sentinelese. Let me explain. The Sentinelese people are related to other indigenous groups in the Andaman Islands, a chain of islands in India's Bay of Bengal. But they've been isolated for long enough that other Andaman groups like the Anji and the Jarawa can't understand their language. None of the Sentinelese language is known to outsiders, and anthropologists usually make a point to refer to people by the name that they call themselves, but no one outside of North Sentinel Island actually knows what the Sentinelese call themselves. North Sentinel Island is a small island of about 23 square miles, which is mostly covered by forest and is surrounded by coral reefs. The Sentinelese are thought to be direct descendants of the first humans who immigrated from Africa. According to a 2011 census effort, and based on anthropologists' estimates for how many people the island could support, there are probably somewhere between 80 to 150 people on North Sentinel Island, although it could be as many as 500 and as few as 15. Based on a visit to North Sentinel Island in 1967, we know that they actually live in lean-to huts with slanted roofs. The huts are built facing one another with a carefully tended fire outside of each one. We know that they build small, narrow outrigger canoes, which they maneuver with long poles and relatively shallow, calm waters inside the reef. From those canoes, the Sentinelese fish and harvest crabs. The Sentinelese do not know how to make fires. They do not know how to farm. The fires I mentioned earlier come from spontaneous acts, such as lightning. The Sentinelese truly live a hunter-gatherer lifestyle. They only have simple tools such as harpoons, bows, and arrows. One night in 1771, the, an East India Company vessel sailed past Sentinel Island and saw lights gleaming on the shore, but the ship did not stop. 
A century later, an Indian merchant ship called the Nevea ran aground the reef. 86 passengers and 20 crew managed to swim and splash their way to the beach. They huddled there for days before the Sentinelese eventually decided that the intruders had overstayed their welcome, a point they made with bows and arrows. In 1880, a young Royal Navy officer named Maurice Fidel Portman took charge of the Andaman and Nicobar colony. He went to North Sentinel Island to see what was what. He found only hastily abandoned villages. The people had seemed to seen the intruders coming and fled to hiding places further inland. But one elderly couple and four children were left behind. Portman and his search party captured them and carried them off to Port Blair, the colonial capital of the South Andaman Island. Soon, all six of the kidnapped Sentinelese became desperately sick, and the elderly couple died in Port Blair. Portman somehow decided it was a good idea to drop off the four sick children on North Sentinel Island along with a small pile of gifts. We have no way to know whether the children spread their illness to the rest of the people or the impact of this return might have been. In 1896, a convent escaped from the nearby Great Andaman Penal Colony on a makeshift raft, but ended up on North Sentinel Island, only to be killed by the Sentinelese. The British forces were able to recover his body. His throat was cut and his body was pierced by several arrows. This kind of feels like an F.U. to Portman and what they did to the 6th North Sentinelese only 16 years earlier. In 1974, a team of anthropologists tried to film a documentary with National Geographic about the North Sentinelese. When a boat arrived at the island, it was greeted by arrows from the Sentinelese, one of which pierced the film director's leg. In 1981, cargo ship MTV Primrose became stranded on a reef of North Sentinel Island. Crew had to fight the Sentinelese until they were rescued a week later. The Sentinelese was seen scavenging the boat afterwards, which set off the Bronze Age for North Sentinel Island. The only friendly interaction with the Sentinelese was in 1991 when an expedition visited the island and gave the Sentinelese coconuts and fruit, and this encounter was video recorded. It gave them other gifts like live pigs, which they spared and just buried in the sand. As, along with plastic toys. But they seemed to like the metal pots and pans, and they quickly grew fond of coconuts which didn't grow on the island. Later that day, when the anthropologists returned, they found two dozen Sentinelese people standing on the beach, and an interesting scene played out. A man raised his bow to aim at the visitors, and a woman pushed the bow down. The man responded by dropping the bow and arrow and burying them in the sand. These same people interacted with the Sentinelese, and the Sentinelese, being curious, even touched the explorers. Later visits were met with hostility, though. In 1991, the Indian government set a three-mile exclusion zone around the island to protect the Sentinelese from modern disease and outsiders from the Sentinelese hostility. In 2005, after a tsunami, the Indian government attempted to check on the Sentinelese via helicopter, and a Sentinelese man took out his bow and arrow and shot towards the rescue chopper. Well, at least the Indian government knew that they were still alive. <laughs> 
In 2006, two drunk fishermen ventured close to the island and the Sentinelese killed them and buried them in shallow graves. When Indian authorities tried to retrieve the bodies, the Sentinelese were aggressive and the authorities decided to abort the mission. Finally, let's discuss the crime story. John Allen Chow was a 26-year-old American adventure blogger, beef jerky marketer, and evangelical missionary in the year 2018. John was born on December 18, 1991 in Alabama, but was raised in Washington State. The third and youngest child of Linda Adams Chow, a organizer for Chai Alpha, and Patrick Chow, a Chinese-American psychiatrist who left China during the Cultural Revolution. Throughout John's childhood, he loved camping, hiking, and traveling, and excelled at various clubs, charity, and other extracurricular activities. John admired numerous explorers and missionaries, including David Livingstone and Bruce Olson. He later attended Oral Roberts University in Oklahoma. John, being an avid missionary, had done previous mission trips to Mexico, Iraqi Kurdistan, South Africa, and the Andaman Islands in both 2015 and 2016. John's father described of how when John finally found the last frontier of unexplored land and people untouched by Christianity, he was excited, as if the place and the people were specifically left for him, it referring to North Sentinel Island. John had traveled to an established residence in Port Blair in October 2018, through the organization All Nations, where he prepared an initial contact kit, including picture cards for communications, gifts for the Sentinelese people, medical equipment, and other necessities. In preparation for the trip, Chow was vaccinated in quarantine, and he also undertook medical and linguistic training. John wanted to preach the gospel to the Sentinelese. As stated before, the Indian government does not allow people onto North Sentinel Island for the safety of the Sentinelese and outsiders. There is a buffer zone around the island, and if you cross it, you are breaking the law. If John had asked permission to teach about Jesus on North Sentinel Island from the Indian government, he would have been denied. Instead, John paid two local fishermen 25,000 rupees, which is around 300 United States dollars, to take him close to the island, where John would then use a canoe to reach the island. The fishermen were later arrested. This is what John wrote in his diary on November 15, 2018, about his first contact with the Sentinelese. Quote, Around 8.30, I tried initiating contact. I went back to the catched kayak and built it up, then round to the boat and got two large fish, one barracuda and one half GT tuna. I put them on the kayak and began waving to the house we had seen. It was about 400 yards out. I heard a woman looing and chattering. When I spotted two dugout canoes with outriggers, I rode past one, then saw movement on the shore. Two armed Sentinelese came rushing out yelling at me. They had two arrows each, unstrung until they got closer. I hollered, My name is John, I love you, and Jesus loves you. Jesus Christ gave me the authority to come to you. Here is some fish. 
I regret I began to panic slightly as I saw them, strung their arrows in their bows. I picked up the GT tuna and threw it toward them. They kept coming. I slid the barracuda off. It started to sink, but my thoughts were directed toward the fact that I, that I was almost in arrow range. I back paddled. When they got the fish, I turned and paddled like I never have in my life back to the boat. I felt some fear but mostly was disappointed that they didn't accept me right away. I can now say I've been nearly shot by the Sentinelese and I've walked and cached gear on their island. Now I'm resting in the boat and will try again later, leaving gifts on the shore and in rocks. Lord protect me and guide me." Unquote. John wrote in his diary later that day on November 15th, 2018, quote, Well, I've been shot by the Sentinelese. After that initial contact, some of the guys went spearfishing and caught what they called a cutula, a groper or sea bass with big lips. They caught two and each weighed about 30 pounds. After first going poop in the water, I built the kayak and we put two fish on top and inside my small pelican that contained pencils. My contact response kit for arrow wounds, abdominal pads, chest seal, dental forceps for arrow removal, picture cards, multivitamins, multi-tools, including one my brother gave me as a groomsman gift that has my name engraved on it, and unfortunately, my passports. I had a waterproof Bible and some gifts. Scissors, tweezers, safety pins, fishing line, hooks, cordage, rubber tubing, and my new Speedo towel. I set off toward the North Shore. As I got closer, I heard whoops and shouts from the hut. I made sure to stay out of arrow range as they, about six, yelled at me. I tried to parrot the words back at them. They burst out laughing. Probably they were saying bad words or insulting me. Then two dropped their arrows and took a dugout to meet me. I kept a safe distance and dropped off the fish and gifts. At first they pulled their dugout past the gifts and were coming at me. Then they turned and grabbed the gifts. I paddled after them and exchanged more yells. Here's what's nice to meet and greet when south. A child when a young woman came behind the two gift receivers with bows drawn. I kept waving my hands to say no bows, but they didn't get the memo, I guess. But this time the waves had picked up and the kayak was getting near some shallow coral. The islanders saw that and blocked my exit. Then a little kid with a bow and arrow came down to the middle. I figured that this was it, so I preached a bit to them, starting in Genesis, and disembarked my kayak to show them that I too have two legs. I was inches from an unarmed guy, well built with a round face, yellowish, yellowish pigment in circles on his cheeks, about 5'5", five five, and gave him a bunch of the scissors and gifts. Then they took the kayak. Then the little kid shot me with an arrow directly at my Bible, which I was holding in front of my chest. I grabbed the arrow shaft as it broke as it broke on my Bible on page 933 Isaiah. The head was metal, thin but very sharp. They left me alone as I half waded, half swam through the broken coral to the deep where I knew their dugouts couldn't reach, then swam almost a mile back to the boat. Although I now have no kayak or my small pelican in the contacts, I am grateful that I still have the written word of God. Lord, is this the island of Satan's last stronghold where none have even had a chance to hear your name? End quote. 
On November 16th, the next morning, after a fairly restful sleep on the boat, he wrote, I hope this isn't my last words, but if it is, to God be the glory. He stripped onto his black underpants. The former explorer of the Sentinels had taken off his clothes in the past not to spook the naked Andaman tribes. Then he swam toward the land. The fishermen motored out to sea, as John had requested. Peter V, a missionary who John had consulted with in South Africa, had told him that he believed the Jarwa tribe didn't kill him when he landed because he had no boat. John also didn't want the fishermen to have to witness him possibly being slaughtered. The fishermen carried away John's diary and two letters. I think I might die, John confessed in one of the letters, but he comforted his friend. I will see you again, bro, and remember, the first one to heaven wins. The next day, the fishermen returned to the island. They motored along the coast, searching for signs of John Chow. Eventually, they spotted something on the beach. They looked closer. It was a body in black underpants, and it was being dragged by the Sentinelese with a rope tied around its neck. The Port Blair Police Director described the situation as a very, very strenuous case. According to him, after discovering the body, the fishermen had rushed back to Port Blair and, crying, turned over John Chow's journal and letters. John's family was then contacted and his mother alerted the U.S. Consulate General in India, which contacted the Andaman police. In a subsequent investigation, the police chief had to decide, could a people who didn't recognize laws be prosecuted under them? Should John's remains be covered? John had written, don't retrieve my body, and John's family posted on his Instagram account, quote, we forget those supposedly responsible for his death, end quote. So the police director decided the rights of the unconted group needed to be respected. The Indian government later did try to recover the remains, but due to the hostility of the tribe, they abandoned plans. John Chow was criticized by many about him possibly introducing diseases to the Sentinelese, breaking the law, among other things. All Nations, the evangelical organization that trained John, was criticized on social media for describing John as a martyr while expressing condolences for John's death. John's father also blamed his son's death on the missionary community for incalculating extreme Christian vision within John. According to a report by the New York Times, the missionary training by All Nations included navigating a mock native village populated by missionary staff members who pretended to be hostile natives, wielding fake spears. The work of the missionaries in general was questioned. The United Nations affirms missionary activity as a legitimate expression of religion or belief. For example, when Jesus sent his disciples, he instructed them to pray and then go, while showing them how to honor the dignity and humanity of others' choices. Critics of missionaries see missions as a form of imperialism. Missionary tourism has come under fire in the past few years because it makes missionaries feel good, but it fails to help a community. Sort of, you are giving a man a fish and not teaching him how to fish argument. What John Chow did was extreme, 
and it brings up many ethical questions about missionaries, rule of law, and the ethics of uncontacted tribes. This completes the 20th episode of A Crime Story, and honestly, this was one of my favorite episodes to work on, so I really hope you enjoyed it. What did you think of today's story? Would you want to contact the North Sentinelese? Do you think they should have been prosecuted for the death of John Chow? And what do you think of mission trips? You can comment on A Crime Story Instagram at A Crime Story Pod, where I'll be posting images from today's story. Or you can even comment on A Crime Story Podcast or at A Crime Story Pod on Twitter, or even comment and see additional photos of A Crime Story Podcast on YouTube. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please like and subscribe. It helps out the channel. I am also on TikTok under the name A Crime Story Podcast. My website is acrimestorypodcast.com where you can listen to the podcast as well as read a transcript of today's story under the blog tab. Thank you so much for listening. If you could please leave a review of the podcast, it helps others find the show. Also, if you could tell a friend or 10 or a thousand about a crime story, I would really appreciate it. I hope to see you next time where I will be covering a case from Canada. You won't want to miss it. A Crime Story is created, hosted, researched, written, and edited by me, Kaylin Lois. Sources for today's episode can be found on my website, acrimestorypodcast.com. The artwork for the show was created by Sabrina Smith. Theme music is by Ross Budgen. Additional story editing was brought to you by my father, Mike. Thank you so much for listening to Crime Story. And remember to stay safe at home and abroad.